my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Everyone and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney and I am your host. As you know, HR Sound Off is for HR professionals by HR professionals, telling and magnifying the voices of our beautiful people in HR. I hope that you've had a great holiday season. This is our first episode coming back into 2023, and I am joined today by Amy Lavoy from Torch. Amy, how are you doing? Hi, Julie. I am great. Really happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Did you enjoy your holiday season? I did. You know, it was a little wild with illnesses and weather and all sorts of things, but it's so <laughs> nice when life can happen and you actually have like an extended break <laughs> to, yes. to deal with it and recover from it. So there's a strange, you know, um, appreciation for like if we're all gonna go down, like <laughs> let's go down when we have a little bit together of- when we're on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. I got sick the first week of my vacation uh, as well, but better to be sick then nice. and just get it over and done with, and then enjoy the rest of the time. But nice. you look well rested and refreshed, so better. I'm sure <laughs> it passed very quickly for you. <laughs> yes, and same same with you. Glad we're uh, we're on the other side of that. Yes, for sure. So we're going to kick off the the show with introductions. So how about you tell our audience, who is Amy and what is your HR story? How did you get into HR and what do you do now? Great. Oh, um, I love love the opening uh, question. So I, uh, Amy, is a a mother, uh, probably feels like the thing that probably takes up the most of my energy and brain, a mother of two young boys who are six and eight, a a partner and a, I would say somebody who is kind of forever trying to seek stillness, but is like not even close to still um, <laughs> in, in, a, in my, my life and in my, my work kind of calming down my brain that is always kind of going really fast. I got into the space of HR early on in my career. I actually studied in my undergraduate school. Uh, My major was leadership studies at the Mm. University of Richmond. And actually, when I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I kind of felt like this leadership thing kept like coming up and people Mm -hmm, kept calling mm -hmm. leaders and I kept noticing things. And so I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do, but I think that's an interesting topic. So I found the one place that would let me study leadership. So clearly there was something there. And then um, I went into uh, the internal HR space um, following that, working with a company called CEB, which is now Gartner. And a lot of their work was actually in the HR space, um, mm-hmm. best practices within human resources. I was actually working internally and kind of took a tour around all of the HR spaces, um, found my 
my um, my niche in in the probably more of like the L and D space, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then also we we built our HR business partner function at the time. So this was a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will say that I probably in reading, you know, and, and, and understanding more about you, Julie, I, I definitely probably experienced my first HR burnout around that time wow. um, where I wasn't so sure it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I pivoted and I went to graduate school. I was really interested in change management and group effectiveness. So I studied organizational development mm-hmm. and then decided to come back. And I still loved the people space, but I realized I wanted to be maybe on the other side in helping other companies as a consultant um, to better understand their people. Um, and so I stayed primarily in the survey and in employee engagement space for a couple of years um, as a consultant, okay. um, helping lots of different organizations to you know understand what was going on with their people and, and, and how, how to improve. Um, and then moved into the HR technology space uh, with a company called Glint. Um, and I was on the people science team where we were essentially studying all of this data of what of people's work experience and really started to kind of find myself just continuously drawn to the science of happiness and success at work. Um, so I ended up leading a, um, a, a research and um, product and thought leadership group uh, within Glint, which then got acquired by LinkedIn. And so we started working across, um, uh, you know, bringing that research on the, on the people experience to some of the HR products within LinkedIn and within Microsoft and now Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, I had this awesome opportunity to go check out this company called Torch, which is where I am now. Mm -hmm. And I lead our, our people team. Actually, we call it our people success team, um, Ooh, which was a very, yeah, very intentional, you know, the words matter. And really what I wanted to do was take this science of happiness and success that I had been swimming in and mm-hmm. bring that to the employee experience in an internal role. Um, so I kind of decided to go back onto the other side of the house and, you know, given that there is a pandemic and there was just such, it felt like there was this beautiful sort of blank page mm-hmm. to start to reimagine things. And I had been helping other customers with it and thought it's probably time for me to take a take a run at this and and doing it at a company with a mission. Our mission at Torch is about unlocking the potential mm-hmm. of people, teams and organizations. And mm-hmm. we do that primarily through coaching and mentoring and trusted relationships and making more trusted relationships accessible to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just this beautiful opportunity to like work at a company where I felt like I could contribute to the product and to the brand and um, help inspire the marketplace and do that for the people internally that we're doing that for our customers um, and bring all of the science and experience um, that uh, that I'd been swimming in for the last couple of years. So that's where I am right now. Wow. That's an amazing story. It's a lot, but it's an amazing story, Amy. Thank you so much for sharing that. You've touched on so many things I would love to pick apart a little bit. I would love for you, if you don't mind, sharing just a little bit about your burnout story because I think that that's really, again, it's one of those spaces that I love to talk about HR burnout because it's so real. And I think the more awareness we bring to it, I think the better. If you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about when you were at Gartner, how you got to that space of burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think we all, if we're attracted to this space, we are just fundamentally attracted to Mm -hmm. helping other people. You know, it's like we are, 
And I think that the reality is that so much of HR is um, is not about that. You know, it's it's it is. There's like an undertone, but there's a lot of like protecting the organization, um, protecting the people that are performing well. If there's others that are not. Um, making sure that you know the the ethics and the values of the organization are upheld and all of it's in the spirit of really good things for the organization but it feels like you spend your time on a lot of the things that are um that are in some ways feel like they're in direct conflict like yeah. with your primary motivation mm-hmm. and you know and i think um i was probably in a place where there was just so much of the, the energy balance wasn't there. And I, I would love to at some point talk about how I approach HR differently now that I'm, I'm back in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think because it's a role where there's never enough time, there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was never complete and working so much and, and also then feeling like I was upsetting people. <laughs> There's a lot of things I was doing that were, that were hard on people yeah. and the time and the things that I was doing to make things better were often behind the scenes and not realized like what we have to do to preserve a culture, for exactly. example. Um, and, you know, and I think that is, it's a job where when you bring your, your whole heart and care so much about it, you can easily kind of, you know, go to a place where you never turn it off. Um, And so I think those were some of the things happening for me where I realized like, I, I was just, I was, I was, I was tired and I think Mm -hmm. I was spending more time and spending more energy because I think energy and time are two different things. And that's, I think about a lot now Mm -hmm. on, um, on some of the parts that were harder and it made me wonder, you know, how do I, how do I really kind of focus on the things that that energize me? And the reality is that it's really hard to not like you. You have to have both. Yeah. And so I think I was at a point in my career where I was still kind of learning how those both things could be true and how to navigate that tension. Yeah, and it can be so hard. And I think to your point, there are so many things that happen behind the scenes that employees don't see, and so they can't appreciate. And there are a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes that can really impact your personal values. Um, And all of these things can cause you to be in a place that can be very uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. that can be very disconcerting for you. So I know exactly what place you're speaking of. It, It can be so hard. So thank you for sharing that. And also the way that it impacted you, because I think the insomnia, the irritability, the lack of concentration, all of those things tied to burnout, uh, which are signs that a lot of us do not pay attention to. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to HR professionals that are probably going through what you described right now? Yeah. I have so many thoughts, uh, you know, and I think this is really part of my journey in and out of mm-hmm. the of the HR space has allowed me the opportunity to reflect and to also be on the business side and a recipient of HR programs. And one of the things I realized is that there were aspects of the way that I was approaching HR that were kind of contributing to this um, this sort of depleted energy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so one of those is that 
I started to feel like I was a compliance officer in my last, last, last go round. I was just, I felt like I was, I was so constantly like reminding and to the point of nagging people to do this thing that's supposed to be good for them. And that was a really like exhausting thing for me. And so one of the things that I, I really think a lot about now is how do we design employee experiences that um, that truly put the, the the employee at the center and that mm-hmm. they love. Mm-hmm. And I think because I worked on the HR technology, you know, product side, it is incredible to see the difference in um, what it's like to work with a technology or to work with an HR program mm-hmm. that makes your heart sing, that feels easy, mm-hmm. um, that people understand what's in it for them. And, um, and, and I'm so excited to see some of that innovation happening because then if you can design a better program, I, you know, I always tell my team, I'm like, once we get to the point that we turn into compliance officers, we have to go back to the design board. Yeah. We need to design something different because mm-hmm. that is, if we design beautiful things um, and we're truly conscious of the employee's experience with it, then we will not need to remind them. I also kind of got over a lot of the like 100, 100% utilization is the goal. It was, mm-hmm. I now really approach things as here's something we've created you can engage with it if you want and then let that momentum build organically and then then you're only really working with the people who love it and they're yeah. saying this is great thank you and they're telling their friends and then their naysayer or friend is coming and saying i want to do that thing mm-hmm. and so i try to think as much as possible around spend your energy on the people who get it yes. spend your energy creating beautiful experiences and simple 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 mm-hmm. simple like mm-hmm then you are so energized in what you're spending your time on and then that growth happens organically and so instead of thinking like okay we have to roll this thing out and everybody has to do the thing immediately until mm-hmm. we can say that we've done it I, I try to take a much longer approach to sustainable and organic growth mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I try to really think about how um what am I doing to kind of contribute to this mm-hmm. um this approach and another thing I I really I think because I was on the business side as well, I really try to coach my team on, you know, not to get too philosophical, but, you know, HR is a part of the care economy in many ways. And the care economy is largely not valued at the same mm-hmm. level as a lot of other um, other types of work. And I feel like, you know, some level of um, the world or capitalism or whatever you call it can it can can take advantage of really good people mm-hmm. who are just motivated motivated to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so I do really try to like just because we can do it and just because we want to doesn't mean that we should. Just right. because it feels better to respond to someone right away doesn't mean that we should not eat dinner with our kids. Just because um because we could we could muscle through this and work all weekend to get it done doesn't mean we should and we need to think about it more and I think being a consultant you think about it a little bit more as like what am I not doing I mean that's one of the most powerful mm-hmm. concepts to me that I learned later in my career which is like everything you say yes to you're saying no to something else and so starting to also make sure that we are not um, kind of creating this like you, no one ever knows how underwater the HR team is mm-hmm. because continue to just take it and take it and take it until our own personal lives are sacrificed. <laughs> like instead, you know, we need to really approach this yes. in, um, in more of a like consultant 
contractor way of like everything is a trade-off and we need to communicate mm-hmm. that. Yes. So, so many thoughts. Sorry, so Julie. <laughs> powerful. And I, I really do appreciate you sharing them. What is making your heart sing right now in terms of HR? I don't want to use that word in 2023, to be honest. Um, but in the people experience space, what is really making your heart sing about the work you're doing right now? First of all, I'm with you on like, you know, it's always this, I mm-hmm. specifically have named my team something that is not HR, but then you yeah. kind of find yourself in this, like everybody mm-hmm. knows what you mean when you say it, but actually that can be a problem because they might assume it's something different than it really is. So I love, yeah. I'm with you on the 2023. I will make that pledge of uh, yes. <laughs> new words, new, new words. Um, so, you know, I am just, I have been in a place, Julie, where I see that that the work that I do, where I spend the majority of my waking hours, mm-hmm. has such an impact on how I show up for my family, for my community, for myself. And I have been in a place where I have not liked who I showed up as, and I have been in a place where my work has been so enriching and my culture has been so healthy and wonderful mm-hmm. that I was better mom and a better partner and a better friend. And that, you know, I think that realization that work does not have to drain us and like destroy Mm -hmm. our soul. It can actually enrich our soul is a concept that I so, I just so believe in its purpose. It's a part of what makes us who we are. Mm -hmm. And so the opportunity to try to create beautiful workplaces and um, help people say things like, I never knew work could be like this. I think it's just an opportunity that is so exciting to me, is so powerful Mm -hmm. to me, Mm -hmm. that you can do great things and be a better person as a result of it. Um, And I just kind of love the challenge of like teaching the world and and, and pushing executives and pushing kind of the traditional school of thought Mm -hmm. that it has to be, it has to feel icky. (laughs) I think there's just, I'm so excited about watching this transformation happen and being a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just get really excited about a world where everyone loves their job and feels fulfilled and energized as a result of it. And honestly, I just hope that that is a lot more common by the time my kids enter the workforce and I'm, I'm determined to make it so. Oh, I love that. I'm excited for that. And I'm here for all of that, Amy, for sure. Um, I think it's important to do the, the work that you love. And I think it makes all the difference, even when you have to do hard things. Um, it's easier to break it down and get stuff done. And if you're doing it with people who have not necessarily the same energy as you, but understand the goal that you're trying to achieve and bring the same sort of creativity and, for lack of better words, energy to it um, their own, in their own way, that it makes all the difference in the world. Um, yeah. I know that you are going to continue to do great things in that space. And I'm, I'm looking forward to learning and hearing so much more. Most people underestimate the power of process. They stick it in the back seat and forget about it until it's too late, but they shouldn't. Processes run the world, literally all of it. Stopped supermarkets, on-time trains, 
and safely landing planes are all made possible by systems of intricate interlinked processes. They are the secret sauce of every great company and HR teams are responsible for some of the most important processes of all. Onboarding employees, building teams, crafting culture. These vital systems are the lifeblood of every organization. That's why this episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show is brought to you by Process Street, the process platform of choice for HR teams around the world. Process Street is a no-code platform that lets you transform your most important HR processes into powerful workflows. Design beautiful employee onboarding experiences with extreme engagement that increase inclusion and reduce turnover. Sync tasks into Slack or Microsoft Teams, automate emails, handoffs, and so much more. Thousands of teams, large and small, trust Process Street to manage their most important people processes, like Salesforce, that use Process Street to onboard all the 3,000 Slack employees after the $27 billion acquisition. You can learn more and sign up for a free account at www.process.st. I gotta ask you, if you could give advice to your younger self now entering HR, what advice would you give yourself? One of the things that has been the biggest learning for me, and I don't think it just applies to HR, but it 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 really is it's broader than that, is to go find the people and the organizations who get it. Yes. who who are thinking in the way that you are, who are willing to challenge the status quo, they are out there. And I think I initially thought I come in to fix, I can come in and I can fix all the things and like I'm, I can go find organizations that might sound really good on paper and I will go, even if they have these challenges, like my job will be to fix it. And I've really shifted to, I'm going to go find the great organization and make it even better because every ounce of energy I put into that, when we're all swimming in the same direction, when we are valuing the same things, when we have the same vision, it's just, it's so much more fulfilling than when you're just digging out of like this big hole <laughs> that is a completely kind of conflicting value, yeah. if you will. So I think it's, um, yeah, go find, and by the way, I have had, the privilege to work with some incredible HR professionals. Yeah. Um, every team I've been on actually has been incredible. Um, so it's not that I wasn't doing that, but I think I I, I think it's more around really re realizing that more than some of the traditional things we're told to like look for in a career, or what means success, yeah. that it's really more about the people and the opportunity to learn mm -hmm. and that like true north alignment that yeah. is um it's going to get you so much further than some of those other things that are honestly um they just don't matter as much it's true you are so right so you heard that here today guys amy and i are giving you permission to go find the organizations that get the value that you are trying to bring to the table and that are willing and open to let you do your thing. That's what we're doing. And I think that is such a huge learning um, because somebody asked me today, I'd love to know, to hear what you think about it. You know, if you were starting your HR career again, 
and you were given the opportunity to work in an organization where they told you, oh, well, you know, our leadership is on board, whatever you want to do, we are here to support that. We are all about driving great people experience. You will have great opportunities to put things in place, but we've got a lot of stuff already in place. So we're just here for you to run our head of people team. Wherever you see gaps, you can fill them in. Or you go to an organization where you hear, well, we've got some challenges. We've got some managers that are not on the bus. We really need some structure. We need some policies. We need some processes around the people space. But it's a great place for you to sink your teeth in and, you know, get those, be challenged and stretch your experience. Which one would you go for? Not, not HRU now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like you need to go first because I what, whatever you say, I'm going to say plus one. <laughs> <laughs> my answer to her was like in my early HR career, I would have gone for the one where there were the challenges and where managers weren't on board, where I could evoke more change versus where there were people on the bus and, you know, things are running pretty smoothly. But not recognizing that I could have created great stuff there too. Um, and my answer, and so that was my answer to her. In my early HR career, I would have picked option B. But now, Julie now would have picked option A, mm. um, <laughs> hands down. Um, and my reason for, one of the things that I said to her was, when you hear that word, you'll be challenged, you'll be stretched, la la la, managers are not on board. It's really them telling you that the organization is toxic. Really, we got a toxic hot mess here, um, but we're sure you could fix it. And you don't hear toxic. You just hear, you know, a couple things that need to be changed, a couple things, but you could sink in, you could stretch, you can grow, you can create. Um, but really and truthfully, they're nowhere near where you need them to be. So first, entering HR Julie would have gone for that. Um, Julie now would definitely have run away from that and would have gone for the organization where everyone's on the bus. Totally. Oh my gosh. I totally agree as I thought I would. Um, <laughs> but the thing that you're making me think about is this concept of growth and learning. And I'm with you that early, early career, Amy would have, would kind of have, would, would, would treat all learning and growth as good and an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I don't see all, so first of all, learning is so important to me. So for me, it's yeah. like, go find the people who get it, the organizations that get it and a place where you can continue to learn. Sure. So, I mean, I really value that part, but I would so much rather learn with the right people on the bus than yeah. like learn, you know, the things that are just going to drain me. And mm -hmm. it's a little bit like strengths finder, you know, it's like spending your energy on the things that are your zone of genius, that are your, um, your most powerful place. You can still be learning. You can be applying mm -hmm. that in lots of different ways. Um, but that's a growth and a learning that really is energizing. Um, and you know, sometimes you have to actually go experience all that stuff. Like the irony of this question is like, <laughs> figure out what that is for you. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, I think it's, um, it's really important to think about the various types of learning that can happen and yes. red flags of learning where it's like, yes, I will grow, but is that the way I want to grow? Exactly. Um, yeah. I listened to Do I, I want to get traumatized in the process of growing. I don't think so. Right. Right. Oh my, totally. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, I um I read this great book um, called The Dip, and it's the concept is when to quit, and this concept that like 
we kind of grow up being told you never want to quit and that it's really bad to, to mm-hmm. do that. But actually, it's it's an amazing thing to do. Um, and the idea is like figure out where you where you have something really special to offer the world, and don't quit when you're when you're doing that stuff. Yes. But if you're doing the stuff that is not something you want to like be uniquely value, valued for or mm-hmm. like the best in the world at, like that's a good quitting opportunity. Um, yeah. Is really that was really eye opening for me because it is like you know I, there's a part of me that's like always take the growth opportunity, always be growing, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. there's another part of me that's like grow in it's like I don't know there's maybe some nature metaphor of like I'd rather like grow in the direction that the tree was meant to grow versus like yeah. grow like a some sort of you know species that attaches to the trunk and like <laughs> it grows but it's not the way I want to grow yeah. exactly exactly I want to ask you since you're so busy which is what we all are um as HR professionals and you're doing so many great things for your organization, managing your team and so on. What do you do to take care of Amy? I had a pretty eye-opening experience, um, learning opportunity. A couple of years ago, I went through a like a, a, an executive coaching program for women. And some of the things that I learned through that were really kind of took some of this self-care stuff and, and reframed it for me in a powerful way. And one of them is that you can, you can do moments of self-care. It doesn't have to be this like yoga retreat or like big thing that Mm -hmm. always feels like it's one more thing to do. I think that's what self-care felt like for me was one more thing to do. And therefore I'm like already overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, So starting to think about it in a different way. And there Mm -hmm. was this this concept that they talked about, which is, you know, we all have these various buckets that we need to fill to be happy and fulfilled in life. And we need to like make sure that they're all, we're contributing to all of them. So think about things like health and um, leisure and fun and connection Mm -hmm. and, um, and purpose and all these things. And that very often we women who think we're just so lucky to actually finally have a seat at the table and we should just be grateful, but keep, you know, keep all the balls moving in the air, you know, that, that we end up over contributing to our work. And then we feel so out of whack because all the other buckets have not been tended to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they talked about, you know, find a way to fill multiple buckets at once. And so if you can, you know, go take a walk with your kid and your dog and you're like tending to your health and you're tending to connection with your family and you're crossing something off the to-do list because the dog got some exercise, um, you know, that that is gonna be something where you can feel like you can you can do several things that feel good. And yeah. one I remember them saying was like, you know, if you have to work one night, like sit on the couch with your kid while they're watching TV and don't beat yourself up about that. I used to beat myself up about that. I'm not present wow. with him and I'm not. And now it's like, you know what? No, you're actually with them yep. and you're spending some time with them. You're, you know, you're doing the like mindless task and you're kind of there. So kind of thinking about it a little differently. And I had this light bulb go off for me just recently. Actually, this morning I was reading something, which is, you know how multitasking is like 
this thing that we all seem to do, especially as women, but we really know that it's not very good. We don't really do anything well when we multitask. I started thinking about, instead of thinking about multitasking, if we thought about multi-fulfilling. So how do you like fulfill multiple things at once? And it's not about the task, it's about the like enrichment um, that it can feel just when, when there's just so so little time left. Like how do you get the most out of it? Not yeah. by doing you know, 16 different tasks at once, but by doing one task that fulfills you in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. um, that's been a shift for me of just kind of embracing that like you can, um, you can do it that way and not feel guilty about it. Um, and by the way, you can also, this is my other one, you can also watch watch an episode of Real Housewives or something on Bravo TV <laughs> and not feel guilty about it because it's your time. That's what you're choosing to do with it. Yes. I totally agree. I remember sometime back um, interviewing Adam Posner and he he introduced me to Below Deck on Bravo. Uh, <laughs> first time I'd ever heard of it. But yeah, I, to your point, I think it's really important to recognize that self-care isn't just about this one thing, mm -hmm. uh, that we can do it in so many different ways and still be present to support the people that we love or, or expand quality time with the people that we love in multi, terms of multi-fulfilling. Multi-fulfilling, multi I love it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Multitasking does not work. but not if you... right. Yeah, but multi-fulfilling, multi, multi I like that. I'm going to add that to my list of words for this year. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I got to ask, what are you reading, watching, listening mm -hmm. to right now that you think our audience would appreciate? You know, I think what I'll, what I'd like to share is um, not the the ones that I know a lot of your audience is listening to because I'm listening mm -hmm. to those too, but I know that they know those already. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about creativity and, and some of the things I've learned in working in the product space is around like bringing in different ways of thinking about solving a problem. And one thing I have loved is really digging into or, or seeing the parallels between uh, parenting and the things I'm trying to do at work. And uh, there's one woman who I just gobble her stuff up. Her name is Dr. Becky. And okay. she, um, her whole concept, she, so she has a podcast. Podcast is how I consume a lot of stuff these days because um, I can multi-fulfill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she is, her whole concept is called Good Inside. And it's the belief that kids are good inside and sometimes they have a hard time and our job as parents is to like help figure that out and like help them to go back to that thing that's good mm -hmm. and that's really hard but that's really what i believe we're trying to do for our people that if we can assume everyone's good inside mm -hmm. and if they're not doing something appropriately or they're not um filling out the form we told them they had to fill out or attending the, the training we told them to attend that like maybe there's an opportunity to understand why and um and ways that we can can help make it easier for them to do the right thing um and she just has so much stuff that i'm like oh it's just like at work it's like mm -hmm. i can figure this out and, you know that's a, a lot of what parenting is it does feel like you know <laughs> communication skills but i have found there's like a lot of little nuggets that feel like parallels and it just helps mm -hmm. your brain to expand in a different way beyond like the typical um workplace content that i um that i typically um, am consuming nice thank you so that's dr becky good inside and i also noted the dip from before oh um, yes yeah. <laughs> great great the big question amy are you ready what is the biggest misconception about hr that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here right now 
oh, there's there's so many concepts that <laughs> I know. I like get excited. This one. <laughs> yeah, this one. I'll go with one. Um, I I think it's I, I, there was I think there was an HBR article that came out recently about like here's what your people really think about HR mm-hmm. and that so often we can get into the place of like protecting the company that we that we forget that we're actually in it for the employees and that balance even my own team who is so amazing and like I know is really in it for the right things it was really eye opening just to say like there are ways that the first question we ask or the first thing we turn to can signal actually not our intention because we're so focused on the like the, the legal and the and the protection and the and the compliance piece. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think I, I'm on a mission to eliminate the eye roll when people hear the word oh, HR. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably about changing the word so that they're not uh, mm-hmm. they're not saying HR anymore. But you know, when a lot of people hear that hear HR and they kind of think like, ooh, and that Here is such Here a miss. Yeah, it's such a miss. There's so much amazing impact that we are having and that we can have and um and re yeah starting to to shift that and 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 um and really help people to see the beautiful experiences that we create mm-hmm. um so that you know when there are the annoying things it feels like a smaller percentage of what their yeah. interactions are the eye roll is a serious thing <laughs> the eye roll the when they when people stop talking when you enter a room or they see you coming it's so true and even even if the cameras are off you can hear the eye roll (laughs) yes oh my goodness and it's so deafening it's like really you're like you've lost them before you even opened your opened your mouth with whatever it is that you're that you're working on and Mm -hmm. um yeah so i think it's maybe maybe if i could summarize it in the headline it's that hr can be delightful the people space can be delightful definitely the space that where we provide happiness and success and drive success. I love that. I absolutely love that. Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Can you share with our audience where they can find you on social media, connect with you if they want to learn more about you or they have questions for you or they just want you to be a part of their network? Oh, I would love, love to connect with the wonderful people that are listening and contributing to this podcast. We all have to, as I said before, stick with the people who get it. We have to stick together. So please, I'd love to connect. Um, LinkedIn would be the best place to find me, um, Amy Lavoie, and I would be happy, happy to connect and learn from each of you as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Any parting words for our audience today? on people experience, Um, anything you want them to walk away with outside of what we've discussed. One of my big mantras is don't design for the lowest common denominator. Mm. So I think very often, again, because we are protecting the company and our roles, we we can come up with great ideas and then we sort of whittle them away to make sure that no one takes advantage of it. And what if somebody does it the wrong way? And what if, and then you create sort of mediocre experiences that are not inspiring to people. So I always try to think about let's design for the people, let's design for the wonderful, um, the people who who care and are are trying to do the right thing too. And then we'll worry about the naysayers later. But we, if we put all of our energy into them, we don't create something for the you know sixty to eighty percent of the people who really want 
to have great experiences. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Wish you all the best. And I hope that we will get to have a conversation again at another time. So the door is always open for you to join me here on HR Sound Off to talk all wonderful things about creating great experiences for the people we serve. Wonderful. Thanks, Julie. This was really fun. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.